The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. We were blessed recently by a visit from Elder Tony Lester, who pastors in the Tupelo, Mississippi area. Brother Tony preached in Matthew 27 about the fact that Jesus Christ opened not his mouth. Why was that? He had the power to calm storms. He had the power to call down angels. He had the power indeed to destroy this world had he chosen to do so but he didn't. In the face of the cross, he opened not his mouth. Brother Tony preaches this powerful, encouraging message, reminding us that he loved us so much that he was willing to remain mute in the face of certain death in order to redeem his people. Join us today for this sermon entitled, He Opened Not His Mouth. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
you have your Bibles, I want to look at an account that is actually found in the book of Matthew, but is also found in every gospel account of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'll read just a little bit and then just try to expound upon it. Book of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 10. And said, And gave them for the potter's field the Lord appointed me, and Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he had accused of the chief priests and elders, he accused, answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at this feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would, and had been a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I shall release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. And when he had sat down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Because the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus that is called Christ? And they said unto him, Let him be crucified. Now, like I said, this is an account, and I have not read the whole, all of it here. You can, you can find this account here about Jesus when he's coming to Pilate. And this is just moments, really, if you will, before he is crucified. But it is found in Matthew chapter 27 is found in Mark chapter 15 is found in Luke chapter 23 and is found in John chapter 18 and 19 and in reading and studying of the Bible most of us know that no matter how little or only one time or whatever if the Lord inspired men to pin this down and he has preserved it for us even to today it is something that we should take very close attention to I mean I, this morning I was trying to just speak some there in, in Micah and in Nahum there in the Old Testament. And I, I mentioned to the church there at Harmony, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about the minor prophets. And I understand what they say, meaning these were men that had very short books that they wrote. You know, even Obadiah had was just one chapter, if you will. They don't even call it a chapter. They just say Obadiah, you know, verse 12 or whatever it is. But it's very important because God inspired those words to be pinned down. And it's something anytime we read, and especially when we find it in the Bible and it's repeated, then we really need to take note of that. Because when you start reading the gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's several things that are repeated, you know, maybe twice or three times. But there's very few things that you find. Now, there's, there are a few. Don't say that I didn't say there's nothing. There's very few that you find that are, are listed in all four gospel accounts. So that means that's something we really need to take note of and to study and to understand and to learn more about it. And this is one of those accounts here. This is the, right before Jesus was going to be scourged and taken out and crucified and all. And Pilate, he's been brought before Pilate. And they're asking him questions. And Pilate, especially one of them that is asking him a question. 
And he said, and they, when the accusers, the chief priests and elders, he answered of nothing. And then Pilate said unto him, Hearest thou not many things that witness against thee? And he answered him to not a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly at this. Now that, that, that verse there, verse 14, is one, that, not just that verse, but especially over in the book of John. I, I, I love that verse. That's, that, that means something special to me, and I'm kind of a little different in that. Somebody said, well, why does that mean something to you? But you think about what it said there, that Jesus being questioned answered nothing. Didn't say a word. Now I know we've got at least two lawyers in here. We've got one judge and a lawyer and everything. And you know that would be something, especially of, of someone like Jesus, because even Pilate's own wife says, told him to be uh, set down at the judgment seat. His wife sent it to him saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? You want to talk about a just man? This was the just man. There's never been a man as just as Jesus Christ. You know, Brother Chris may have someone come before him that's not guilty of the crime he's being charged, but there's still something that he's not just about in the eyes of God. But this man had nothing. He was nothing amiss. He was righteous and holy. He opened not his mouth. And you know, even what's even more special to me about that, this is not something that, that those of the Pharisees and of the Jews should have took note of and thought of, they even had this prophesied to them by Isaiah. And Isaiah 53 verse 7, and Isaiah being a prophet that was from 700 to 740 years, something like that, they, they say when he lived before Christ came. When you look at Isaiah 57, or 53 and 7, it said he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Isaiah even prophesied this is what he would do. He, talking about Jesus. Think about that for a little bit. Like I said, this account, all of what we've read and then others' details, it's found in Mark and Luke and John also. So there's other details about it. But we need to really start thinking about what is being said here. Jesus is brought before Pilate. And Pilate is answering, asking him questions. And I want to look a little bit in John just to get a little bit more of that detail that the Lord blessed John to see and to, to write unto us. In the book of John in chapter 19, in verse 8, it says, When Pilate therefore heard that saying that he was more afraid, and he talked about him being the son of God, Pilate became afraid. This, if he was thinking, is this the son of God? He wanted to know more. And he went into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus answered him no answer. John even is saying the exact same thing that Matthew wrote. Like I said, you can go to Mark and Luke, and it will bear the same thing, just like Isaiah. We have five places in the Bible. That's something that is very, very important. Not that any of it ain't. You know, you say, well, the Lord says, verily, verily, and we say, surely, surely. We take note. Hey, he's saying, verily, verily, two times. We better listen to that. Here's something that was in here five times. We need to think about that. Then said Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? I mean, Pilate's, I, always in my mind, I kind of think, you know, here, here's a great commander of the Roman army. 
He has men that he says, you go and do this, they go. No question asked. He says, you come and do this, no questions asked, they go. He has great authority in that land. But you know, you can even go over into Luke's account. And when Pilate finds out that Jesus is of Herod's court, let me we'll get that real quick. Over in Luke chapter 23, verse 7, 23 and 7. As soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent unto him Herod, who himself was also at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he was desirous to see him on a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him in many words, but he answered him nothing. We have two men, far as natural power, far as natural control of great armies, of men that could say, you know, just take him out and crucify him. I've seen enough. Don't worry about it. Have him beheaded, whatever it is. And men would have done that in an instant. No questions asked. And Jesus would not even open his mouth, just like Isaiah prophesied. Brother Chris, I, I got a judge. I've never, I don't preach in front of judges that much. But I have a feeling that if Brother Chris had someone come before him in his court that was not guilty of robbery or whatever it is, he's going to be singing like a bird. Whoa, I was over here at this place. I've got five people can be a witness to that. I've got, you know, surveillance camera at my house where I went in. I'm in, the, you can, whatever. He's going to bring out every piece of evidence. I didn't do it. Jesus opened not his mouth. But to think about one, if say as Pilate or Herod, how much power they had with the armies. Think about the one that did not open his mouth. We have God manifest in the flesh. We have God that when the disciples were in the ship and a great storm came up, and it was rocking that ship and water was coming in. He was down in the ship asleep. Because he told him, we're going over to the other side. We're going over. He wasn't worried about that. But those disciples, when they were worried and afraid they were going to sink, they went down and they asked him, you, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, carest thou that we perish? And he comes out and he looks at the wind. He walked out on the bow of that ship, if you would, and he said, peace be still. In three words, there was a great calm come across a storm. He can control the weather. Global warming, I don't think that's any problem for him. It's August in the south. It's going to get hot. And I think we all agree with that. It's here. Jesus had no problem with controlling the weather. But he opened on his mouth. When uh, Judas went to bring him to Pilate, when the Pharisees had paid him to have him delivered, you know, he went with a band of men. That band of men, that says about 10% of what you would say of a legion. You can say a legion is 2,000 to 5,000. I've heard many people say it's a different number. It doesn't matter. If you've got 200 men against, here would be 12, probably there in the garden, in a natural sense, these are 200 men that are guards, they're soldiers. But when they came to, to take him and to go into it, they asked him, are thou Jesus? He says, I am he. He said three words right then. And you know what that band of men did? They fell backwards. By the power in his own voice, Hebrews tells us that he owed us all things by the power of his, by the, the power of his voice, by speaking. 
these men fell backwards. You know, I'd have been kind of thinking about, do I really want to try to take this man or not? Just by speaking. When he stood there at the tomb of Lazarus, he stood there before grave. For a man had been dead for four days. Even his own sisters, whenever he came to that grave, he won't know where thou buried him. They took him to the grave. He knew where it was. He told them to roll us away the stone. And they even trying to, do, hey, he, he's been dead for four days. By now he stinketh. Jesus knew that. Lazarus come forth. Three words. Lazarus came forth. Jesus opened not his mouth before Pilate or before Herod. Now these men, these Pilate and Herod had great authority. They had armies that they commanded legions of men. And if that was not enough, they had the whole authority of the Roman army. If that had been an uprising that their army, the men that they had with them, was not enough, Caesar would have been sending plenty of reinforcements just like that. As soon as he got the word. Those reinforcements would have been there, headed that way, to put down any kind of fight or any kind of you know, a battle that was there. The whole Roman army could have been there at Caesar's command. Back up just a little bit in that garden when they come to take him. We know that Peter pulled a sword to defend, and I think at that moment Peter really was serious about, I'll go to death with you. Now, I love what Brother Chris said. He preached about how there, there's things that get in the way with that peace. Peter's, Peter got in the way of the flesh, got in the way a little bit with Peter there. But at that moment, I think Peter was serious. To the point he cut off the high priest servant's ear. He meant business with that sword. He wasn't just saying back up. He was swinging it to do what he meant to do. And what did Jesus do? He rebuked him. He said, put up thy sword. He said, could not at this moment, and I'm, I may not get the quote, he said, at this moment, called my father, and he would send down more than 12 legions of angels. The Roman army didn't have nothing on what Jesus could do. We read in scriptures where one angel in one night killed 185,000 people. Jesus didn't have any problem defending himself. But sitting right there, and I've always pictured Jesus being, being made to kneel down in front of Pilate or Herod. Them trying to see, show their authority. But to think about here he was. He opened not his mouth. Book of Philippians chapter 2 talks about he humbled himself. You know about humbling. That how here was God manifest in the flesh. These men were belittling him. These people were questioning his authority. These men were questioning. Because Pilate even said there in chapter 19 of John, he said, Pilate said unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Pilate saying, I have this authority. I have this power. But Jesus does open his mouth for a little bit here to correct Pilate. 
He says, Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. He's Pilate. Yes, right now, you have authority to take me and to crucify me. Because that was even itself was prophesied there in Isaiah. That, they, that he would take him. Isaiah would, Isaiah would even and read on that. And uh, he was taken from prison for judgment. Who should declare his generation. He was cut off from the land of the living. And the transgression of my people. He was stricken. And he was grave of the wicked of the rich. in his death because he had done no violence. Neither Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. And brothers and sisters, this is not God the Father looking down and saying, well, I'm just going to bruise him because, you know, he's been a bad son. No, this was a just man, a holy man. This was God manifesting the play. This was his son who he was well pleased in. But because God knew what it was going to take to redeem his people. Jesus knowing what it was going to take to redeem his bride. He opened not his mouth because that just man could have been a shadow of a doubt. Prove his innocence. He could have went after scripture, after scripture, after scripture, proving who he was. He did for those two on the road to Emmaus. He opened up. The, I would have loved to have heard that sermon. He could do it. But yet he opened not his mouth because he said it pleased God to bruise him. Pleased the Lord. And he put him to grief. Jesus opened not his mouth. That is always, and to me, amazed me. That a man would love, and I say a man in Jesus, the man Jesus. Because it was the man Jesus that was feeling everything that was going on. Yes, he was God. But as man, he felt everything that was going to happen. He felt those nails that were driven into his hands and to his feet. He felt that thorn of crowns being beat down upon his head. He felt that when they scourged him with that a cat of nine tails. He felt that. The love that he has for us. And I say that in present tense because he still has that love for us. But he opened not his mouth. He could have spoke. He didn't even have to speak, but he could have spoke. And Pilate, Herod, all of them would have been gone. But his bride still would not have been redeemed. He did that because of his love for us. He said, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivereth me unto thee hath a greater sin. He knew that those Pharisees were envy. He knew just as well as Pilate did that he'd been brought there because of their envy. Because of those that he was a thorn in their flesh. He was correcting them and telling them and showing them what the truth of the gospel was. And they had brought him before Pilate. And he was there kneeling down. I said that the scriptures, when we're reading them, especially when we have accounts that are in four different, all four of the gospel accounts, we need to look at them. As much as I look at those verses about how that he opened not his mouth and he answered neither Pilate nor Herod, 
having the power, having the authority, as, as, and he was God. What he felt as a man. If there ever was a God, and I know there is a God in heaven, and he's, he's there ruling and reigning, that ever loved us, is some of the things he did say. And when he's there hanging on that cross, and I don't want to try to go through all this verse by verse, but when he's actually hanging on that cross, there's several things he said, but there's one that I definitely want to look at for just a moment. And it's found back in Matthew channel 27. He said, in about that ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lamach, Sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He opened not his mouth is because he knew what he had to do. He had to go to that cross. He had to be nailed to it. He had to be crucified. And brothers and sisters, if you've ever looked at the Roman army and just a little bit about their ways and their tactics and everything, they were very good at what they did. And a lot of it was not pretty. Crucifixion was one of the cruelest ways that you could torture a man. He willingly went to that cross. He willingly for the love that was set before him. The love of his bride. The love of his people. He is seeing through that the joy that was set before him. Because the joy that was set before him was that his bride was going to be in heaven one day. His people, everyone, not the loss of one, every single one that God the Father had given him, he was representing right there on that cross. And when he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He tasted something that day. He tasted something that no child of God will ever taste. He tasted being forsaken by God himself. We will never, ever have to feel that. We'll never taste it. Brothers and sisters, we may feel like God's going gone forever. That's because of our transgressions. But he really felt that. He felt God had forsaken him because that, uh, that death, that what he was suffering on that cross is what we should have suffered. My God, my God. He knew. He knew going to that cross. He knew that that's what he was sent to do. But still as a man, he felt that. But yet he opened out his mouth because of the love that he has for us. When we're reading these accounts, especially of this, I read several verses more than just past where he said that, he, that Pilate marveled greatly at this. Verse 15, Matthew 27 and 15, says, Now at the feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. You know, there was a, a custom that they had, and you can read about it in the other accounts, that there's times when the pilot, the governor of the land, the, the ruler of the land, it, it was a custom that they may have some men that they were going to crucify, execute, however they wanted to word it. But as a tradition or custom, they would release one to the crowd, one that they would choose. And Pilate knew that. Pilate knew that he, through the other accounts, he knew this man has done nothing wrong. He had questioned him. Everything they brought to him, he even tells them, I'll, I'll scourge him, but I'm going to release him. They didn't want that. They wanted him crucified because the Pharisees had went through the, the crowd and stirring them up, 
having them say, crucify him, crucify him. They thought, well, we're fixing to get rid of this thorn in our flesh once and for all. But all they, what they knew, they was fulfilling scriptures is what, what they were doing. And Pilate said they had not a prisoner, noble prisoner called Barabbas. Now, Barabbas, we know through the scripture, was a murderer. This man was not a just man. This man deserved the death that they was going to give him. And he asked, you know, who should I release? Do you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus? Well, the crowd being stirred up and those of, those of the Pharisees there that wanted him gone, that wanted him killed, they said, give us Barabbas. Well, he asked, what should I do with this Jesus? Crucify him. So here it is. There was one last chance, if you will, believe that Pilate said, I'm, go, I'm trying to get out of this any way I can. He's, he, even to one of the counselors said he took water and washed his hands saying, his blood's on your hands. And they said, his, they, rightly so, his blood was on our hands. That's what the Pharisees in the crowd would say. So they released Barabbas, a murderer, and wanted to crucify and did crucify a just man, a just God. As much as those verses there right before it says that he marveled that he opened not his mouth, as much as those, that verse there, me thinking about all the power that Jesus had, he didn't call down that legion of angels. He didn't have men just fall backwards he didn't have them just vanish because of Barabbas. He loved Barabbas. Now I'm going to clarify what I'm saying on that. The name Barabbas, I said, everything's in here for a reason. That name Barabbas is Bar-Abbas. Bar means son. Bar-Jonah, Simon Bar-Jonah means son of Jonah. Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. When you take that word bar there of Barabbas' name, it means son of Abba, son of the Father. Barabbas is a picture of every one of us. He was released. An unjust man. And a just man went to the cross to redeem an unjust man. Not just a unjust man. Every unjust man and woman and child that the God in heaven chose before the foundation of the world. That's why he did not open his mouth. Because we needed him to go to that cross. We needed a savior that could go to a cross and pay for our sins because we rightly deserve death. Because of our sins, we were separated from and death in trespasses and sins. Nothing we could have done, but it was all of what Jesus Christ did on that cross. Amen. When he knelt down there, if I, and I say, I, I picture that in my mind. Some of you brothers may say, well, you can't bear that out. But brothers, I can't see a, a king of, of Herod and Pilate's authority thinking, hey, I'm above all of you. He's going to have him kneeling down before. He knelt down, but it wasn't kneeling down before a king like that. He was kneeling down before God the Father, I believe, showing, I am willingly come down to this earth. I willingly come here to do thy will, to save thy people. Because Barabbas needed saving. We needed saving. 
He tells us in Romans about how we, that spirit of God come, comes into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. He's our Father. We needed saving. So when you put that two verses there together about He opened not His mouth and He released Barabbas, we received, we received the blessing passively. Barabbas didn't do anything. Barabbas was in jail. He couldn't get himself out. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We couldn't get ourselves out. We were cast into the miry clay. He pulled us up out of that miry pit. Amen. He opened not his mouth. But there's one more thing he did say on the cross. Back in John chapter 19 and verse 30. It said, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, because he had said, I thirst, there fulfilling scriptures. You know, we said about three words, peace be still, Lazarus come forth, it is I, it is he, I am he, I think is the way he worded it there with that band. Three words showing his power. But he spoke three words that has shown his power and will show his power for all eternity. It is finished. It was finished what he came to do. Why he didn't open his mouth is because he had to finish something. He came to do his father's will. And he completed it to a jot and a tittle. Amen. It was finished. Barabbas, his family, if you will allow me to put it that, was justified. Amen. Justified in the eyes of God. Now, I mentioned about how some of those in the crowd out said, let his blood be upon our hands. You know, there was two ways that that blood, those Pharisees and those that had brought him there because of, of, you know, of spite, wanting him killed because you know, he was a thorn in their side, the blood was on their hands. Because in 70 A.D., the Lord leveled Jerusalem. By wicked hands, they had crucified his son. Those that were part of that, those that would willingly and, and, and laughed and, and mocked him there, knowing, hey, we've got him now. They didn't have him. God knew exactly what he was going to do. But brothers and sisters, they are those that the blood was applied. Because when he was on that cross, there was something else he said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. He wasn't praying for people he wasn't dying for. He was praying for those. Even those who had said, crucify him, crucify him. His blood was applied to them vitally. Amen. We were justified before the sight of God, before the Father right then. And it will never, ever be undone. Because he opened not his mouth, but then when he did open his mouth, he said it was finished. And brothers and sisters, you know how we know it was finished? Because after three days and three nights, he came out of that tomb. We're justified before God. Because Jesus Christ's blood was applied to us. Not for anything that we did. Not for anything Barabbas did in that prison. Those doors were open for him. Brothers and sisters, we were made alive. We were given a life. We were given a heaven and a mortal glory. as our, our home because of what he did. Amen. I would love to go through all four of the, the books and just get more things out of it. Brothers and sisters, you think about 
when the Lord writes something in his Bible, when he had men to pin this down, I imagine Isaiah looked at some of that and go, I'm not real sure. Do I know what this means? When Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, they wrote it down, seeing this was the man that we had been following, all the miracles that he'd done. You know, there's one parable, and you brothers can correct me, brothers or sisters. I've had some good sisters come up and correct me and say, hey, that's not quite right. I'm thankful for that. You know, the, the only other parable that is mentioned, the parable, only other, the only parable I think mentioned in all four accounts is the feeding of the 5,000. We need to be fed the truth of the gospel. Amen. We need to hear about our Lord and Savior. And it starts at what he has done for us. Because the one thing we can do for him is give him all honor and glory and praise. Because when he said it was finished, it was finished. I'm thankful as a minister. I'm thankful as a man. I'm thankful as friends. It's not upon me or Brother Chris or Brother Tim or Brother Buddy. Any of these ministers here to secure your home in heaven. Because it was secured by Jesus Christ. Because he opened not his mouth until it was the proper time. And that blood was applied upon us. I thank you for your kind attention. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.